Hi Slip Angle listeners, this is Rob from Fields Auto Works and Fields Engineering. We're really excited to be supporting great content on Slip Angle, and we hope you'll find your way over to our social media pages to see some of the exciting work that we're doing. Fields Auto Works has Cardinal Coupes being delivered and Scioto Coupes in build for testing this summer, with more exciting models on the near horizon. If you're ready for supercar performance for under $70,000 or professional prototype speed for under $150,000, stop by FieldsAutoWorks.com to see what we offer. At Fields Engineering, we have openings for major builds, arrive and drive customers, and medium to large engineering projects. We have capabilities ranging from whole composite body scratch builds to 3D scanning and printing to trackside support. We're also thrilled to be supporting regular guy racing with Colton Wade driving in GLTC and the exciting new Future Frontrunners initiative to promote women in club racing. As a Fields customer, you get the combined experience of IndyCar builders, IMSA veterans, aerospace engineers, and lifetime racers working on your next big endeavor. If that sounds like a team you're interested in working with every day, you can also contact us about our open shop positions. Find Fields Auto Works on social media and at fieldsautoworks.com, and find Fields Engineering on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. racetrack because we got tired we um, we never record shows at the track it's really really hard <laughs> well we used to and then we started working too much at the racetrack and then this particular one we were sleeping on the ground so, so I, I don't think i slept very well <laughs> i want to complain about sleeping on the ground for just a minute um mm-hmm. did you have like an air mattress or a bedroll or anything with you no did you no so I slept directly on the ground so that when everybody else was like, man, sleeping on the ground, I'm like, do you have an air mattress? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't have an air mattress. The, uh, the so one I, thing so that I, I did have. them in toughness. This is not quite as, as awesome as Wayne Taylor offering me uh, steak off his plate. But no. uh, Dickie, the like president of the track, uh, went to his Airstream that was parked on site and got me a he, pillow. He, he used to be the president of Airstream, too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes so much sense. Um, he, he looks like he used to be the president of Airstream. Doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's like <laughs> six and a half feet tall and uh, handsome. And uh, Yeah, if you put like a, if you put him in a lineup and you're like, just of like, and you just grab 27 dudes. And you'd be like, which one of those dudes used to be president of Airstream? People will get it 100%. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, uh, really we, nice we were chit-chatting because I... I um, packed all my uh, stuff in uh, carry-on because I didn't want to check my bag, which I ended up checking anyway because I was late on the flight. But he was like, oh, you don't have any pillows? Yeah, I'll just run back to the Airstream and get you some. And I was like, that's very nice. I, uh, under normal circumstances, I would say, no, no, please don't, uh, because that would be you know, too much trouble. But in this case, absolutely, please go. I would like that very much. <laughs> I would like your Airstream pillows, Mister Six Foot Five Airstream Man. <laughs> yeah, they they had a couple of ho- they, like they have a couple of hospitality Airstreams at the racetrack. They're pretty cool. They're set up kind of like a like a lounge kitchen, like not a not a bed sleeper model. So, um, I don't think I talked about this on the show before. Did you know that my dad has an Airstream Interstate, which is uh, a an Airstream converted uh, Sprinter. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it was an Airstream. I thought it was a Winnebago. No, no, it's an Airstream. Um, and it's awesome. It's got to be built really, really nicely. It's it's super, super nice. Why don't you just borrow that? <laughs> um, I suppose that I could, but it would still be probably challenging. Cause I'd have Did to... I just blow your mind up? You have an RV after you sold your RV. Oh, Abe sold his RV. I, I could pay him rent and like... In principle, drive it to Kansas and back or something. Is your RV not in your possession anymore? Well, it's it's still sort of is. I still have a set of keys, and I still have the title. Okay. But uh, what I don't have is a payment, which is cool. 
I'm waiting on the bank to release the um, like re- have a release lien release letter mm-hmm. so that I can sign the title over to him. Yeah. It um, so neither one of us brought RVs to the racetrack. We were at Lime Rock Park this weekend. Um, and it was which, awesome. I mean, it was dude, it was just awesome. It, it so. What were your expectations going into this event? Um, I I will admit to bad vibes only uh, at the start of the event. Really? Yeah, because I like left. Your personal vibes were bad. Yeah, they were bad. Um, I left to come to the event on Thursday afternoon after work, and uh, went from Louisville to Baltimore to Hartford, and when I was in Baltimore. Um, Sullivan and Brittany, who were supposed to be carpooling with me in our rental, texted me to say that his flight was delayed. And they kept saying, like, delayed, delayed, delayed. And I ended up getting on my flight to Hartford, uh, thinking that they would be not not too far behind me because they had a direct flight from Midway. Right. And when I get to Hartford, uh, I text him, and he texts me right back. He's not on the plane yet. And so we were supposed to arrive at the same time around midnight and drive an hour and 15 minutes to the racetrack to get there around, you know, one or one 15. And when I land at midnight, they haven't left Chicago yet. And I was like, Oh Jesus. So that's a bad vibe inducer right there. Um, what, what I basically had to do is because the track was so far from the airport, we really tried to work, we worked really hard to make sure that uh, people could carpool in the rentals to keep costs down. And so I stayed in Hartford and waited for them to arrive. And so I sat at the rental car. Yeah. I got the rental car, made it in time before the counter closed, which was uh, a kind of a a thing that was up in the air anyway. And Mm -hmm. went to a Dunkin' Donuts that was 24 hours because uh, I wanted some coffee and I needed to pee. And, I got there and they were 24 hours, but only the drive through, which meant only, that I had just I got, say it was only a drive through. <laughs> so I got this massive, co- massive behind coffee my, my and it's one o'clock in the morning and I need to pee. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. There aren't too many places, places to pee in public by an airport. And so, uh, well, I just tried to, go to sleep and I tried to go to sleep in the back of the Camry, which was, did you, did you pee though? No, no, I didn't. didn't. So you went, you tried to go to sleep having to pee. Yeah. Well, man, come on. Just try to dumpsters. (laughs) I was, I was in the cell phone lot at the airport. Yeah. So, so open like pee between some cars. There were cars parked next to me. Yeah. That's where you pee between those cars. There are people in those cars. Yeah. I pee on those people. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I tried to sleep in the back of the Camry and, uh, it's not wide enough for you to like lay in the back seat as an adult. And it wasn't the, the front seats were so like awful that you couldn't, there's no way a human being could have slept in a front seat, even if it was laying down. Um, Mm -hmm. and so what I did do is I released the back seats to lay them flat and I put my, uh, head and torso in the trunk and I kicked my feet up toward the passenger seat. Um, so that it was kind of dark and kind of quiet. And I tried to sleep for like an hour and, uh, it's kind of brilliant. I tried. Um, but you had to pee. I did have to pee. Yeah. And so you open the door and you just pee on the ground, like out the door. No, I'm not going to be labeled a a sex offender because I'm peeing in public. Mm, You just, you just can't get caught. That's all. You gotta be good at this. Yeah. I, so, so this, this particular trip, um, I think I peed three places that weren't bathrooms. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but I do, sometimes you got to pee, man. I, I set my alarm for 3.15 a.m., assuming that they'd be there like, I don't know, uh, 3.15, 3.30. And so, mm-hmm. like, I set my alarm, and they still hadn't arrived when I expected that they would. And so uh, I was awake at, like, 3.15 and waiting, waiting, waiting. Eventually, they I get a you know, a call that they touch down. They just need to pick up the check bags. And so, um, I meet them at the terminal at three forty-five, and then we start driving to the track. 
No, I got not, that's like not a nice drive to do at 345. It is tired. not. And so no. uh, we get to the track at 515, and then I immediately find a place to pee. And then we try and sleep for I a can't hot, believe you still had to pee. Yeah, for a hot minute while the sun was coming up. Yes. And so I think I woke up at 615, uh, which was like an hour later, and tried to get ready to start working the event and do some stuff. Uh, in mm-hmm. the interim, while I was sitting in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, I forgot to mention that I built Time Attack run groups for Group A, um, which was unpleasant in its own right. And so, uh, it's never fun. By uh, so I like I had my computer in my lap, like with my chin tucked down, trying to look at the screen, and I had my mouse because it's a lot of spreadsheet work to to build that stuff. And so I have my mouse on the center console where I'm trying to do this. And if you had a picture of me, I'd look like a T Rex because my arms are all scrunched up. Yeah, it looks like you're tuning the car in the dyno. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But so they I, always look like T-Rexes. Tuners always look like them. Correct. <laughs> um, so we start working the event at 6.15, and I'm very tired. Uh, but You looked pretty good. But uh, I think the fatigue kind of faded away during the morning when I was like, when the sun came up, and I was like, wow, this place is pretty cool. Oh, isn't it cool? I forgot to mention the staff at the gate wouldn't let us in when we got there at five fifteen, and we were like, "Yeah, we're we're fucking getting in." Mm-hmm. And we had to wake Charlie up to to confirm with the track that we could, as staff members, come into the gate. Yeah, he was very polite on the phone too. I heard him. I was in the tent with him. Uh, yes. Um. So you want me to tell my getting to the racetrack story? Happy to. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm eager because you and I. Uh, even though we were at the event together, I bet you and I uh, shared like uh, presence with each other for probably not more than 15 minutes throughout the weekend. I, yeah, maybe not. It wasn't much. I don't even know what I did, but I never stopped doing it. It was bizarre. <laughs> I think this is like the running theme of the year, though. Like just, uh, just never stop moving. Um, so I spent, what did I do? I went up to grid life, grabbed a bunch of stuff, loaded the, the dyno trailer full of things. Um, had a bunch of things ready, uh, worked on the dyno trailer a little bit, tucked up a few things, fixed a few things, pulled the old, uh, the old hardware stack and stuff out of it. So we made a little bit more room. I'm going to sell that, um, the WinPEP seven software for the dyno, uh, verified that I have everything charged the transponders for a day. Blah blah blah, all the things, right? Um, I try and I tried to like consolidate things into as many like Pelican cases and boxes and stuff, and like try to neatly pack because we were taking Carson's pickup truck, not my RV, and that uh, we weren't taking my RV because on the way back from Mid Ohio, I was getting frustrated with the injection pump. The Governor Springs are like wearing out on it, so it's got a fake rev limiter in the middle of the of like the RPM range. Um, so this weekend I start pulling the injection pump off and swapping the injection pump. Um, it's an 8.3 Cummins. So anybody familiar with a Cummins 5.9, it's similar to like a 5.9 P pump from like the 93 to 98 Dodges or whatever the, the famous Dodges, the ones that you can make 2000 horsepower with like a screwdriver. Um, it's a bigger version of that, so I'm going to swap that. I've got a new one, but it's got a different throttle lever location, so I'll be doing some fab work. And but it, the bus should have have 50 more horsepower on the way to Alpine if everything goes well. So, um, I love 50 so, more horsepower. Uh, I didn't take the bus, but also mainly because like the last two hours or hour and a half of the ride is like back roads and kind of wild. Um, and um, it probably would have been fine, but like. If the bus was perfect, I probably would have taken it, but it, it does need some love. And uh, yeah, and it also needs like a heavy duty trans cooler. It needs like a bigger one because it's got a, a fluid to water trans cooler that like when it's hot out, the trans temps get hot. And the way to NJMP, I think I saw like 250 That's trans temps, which is too much. It's way too much. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to put a uh, an air to, an air to oil cooler in line also, which shouldn't be a big deal. It's just big dash 10 JIC style stuff, but... Um, haven't done it, haven't figured out where it's going to go. I have the cooler, but I got to make some lines and I'm blah, blah, blah. So no RV first time in like three or four years. I didn't take an RV to an event. <clears throat> and, uh, so we're taking Carson's 2017 Denali, 
quad cab, six foot bed. It's a freaking nice truck, dude. Yeah, for sure. Dude, it's got it's got a it's got cooled seats. Like they're like AC cooled. They're not just fans. It's like it's actually cold air. It pulls it off of a duct underneath the seats. And uh like you can turn your you can turn your your junk into like icicles. It's delightful. <laughs> so it's a really the, amazing truck. The so. interior in that one. Um, looks identical to when uh, I had the 2014 Chevy High Country. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a big fan of those cooled seats; they were great. Dude, it's so it was a nice truck and it drove really well too. So this is like a, a Denali, so it's got I guess it's got basically the the 2500 Chevy drivetrain, the 6.2 and the better trans and stuff, but it's basically in a beefed up 1500 tr- truck, like frame wise and all that stuff. So it rode really nice. Uh, had tons of power. It's got cylinder deactivation, so it I think it got like an average of 15 miles per gallon, which is really impressive. But maybe better. I don't know. Uh, good sound system. Great truck. Carson drove the entire way out. I had Cone, Kevin uh, from Timing, and me and Carson in the truck. I'm telling you, dude the 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 key to feeling fresh when you get to the track is to have a nice tow vehicle. Yeah, dude, it was it was it was great, and I love driving my bus. But I just usually only drive the bus, and nobody else could. This would have been a different trip. Like Carson's a semi truck mechanic, and he's drove Charlie's bus, and he wouldn't have any problem driving my bus. I probably would have been pretty fresh, but um, so that might be a plan in the future. Is like still Carson? <laughs> That's probably a good idea. Uh, um, so before we leave, he hooks up to he shows up my at my shop at like Wednesday at noon, hooks up to the dyno. We we do a bunch of like rough packing because we're gonna meet Cone and Kevin at my parents' house at like a mile away because they can park vehicles there behind James's house and stuff. Um, and uh, we pull out onto the road with the dyno trailer, and every time we hit the brakes, the dyno trailer locks all four brakes up, and every time we hit the running lights, it locks all four brakes up, and every time we hit the right turn signal it locks all four brakes up in sequence with the flashing of the lights then this is something that i've not heard of with luke towing it with eric meadows towing it and with josh fettis towing it and on my bus the brakes work fine and i have noticed the right turn signal sometimes locking the brakes sometimes but not locking them it just like i can feel it which is really weird. And I knew there was like a short somewhere and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta work on this, but it never seemed to change. And I'm always like biggest fire, like putting out the biggest fire. And it's never been the biggest fire. It's always been like, whatever. And also it's never had the passenger side rear light working, which is a problem, but it's basically an open trailer and you can see the lights on the bus. So like, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's been low on my priority list, which it shouldn't be, but it it has been, and now it now it's not. Now it's the, <laughs> because, the big fire. Because it's like, oh damn. Um, so something had changed in uh, in the meantime. We pull it apart. We pull every light. We pull a bunch of lights out of the uh, like they got LED lights that are like in the frame rails of the trailer, you know. Uh, and we find, um, well, first we we find that the wiring coming out of the like the main seven pin plug is kind of weird. Like there's a couple that are reversed. So we, and it's a formed seven pin plug. We couldn't like unscrew it and change the wiring. So we cut it off, put a new one on. Um, Cause it, we put a new one on that you can like open up and adjust and like put the wiring in the right spot. Uh, Cause this thing's like molded from the factory. You can't right. take it apart and fix the wires. Uh, so I went to the hardware store, grabbed a new one. Um, we're still waiting for Coney's picking up uh, a bunch of stickers and vinyl and everything, which ended up being a lot of vinyl, side, like an side entire bush? fit worth of vinyl. Ton, well, they were open, so not side bush. But, um, from our buddies up at, up at Earl, Mitch, and Co., the official Grid Life vinyl producers. <laughs> so, um, ben Mitch has that great RX-7 drives with us a bunch, but one of the hard times, gang. Um so we're taking the trailer apart and we changed the seven pin plug. We fixed a couple of the problems, but not all of them. So we pull lights out and then we find that in its previous storage location, 
there was chipmunks and they found a hole to get in the frame rail the frame rail became chipmunkville um and these pesky wires were there and the chipmunks obviously had to chew the wires and then a running light wire had had been stripped and shredded by chipmunks and it was touching a brake light wire um and so like randomly it would obviously when you hit the running lights would lock the brakes up which was annoying but so we went through everything started we're pulling new wires through the trailer frame rails we're like all right we're already into this for 45 minutes let's just fix it correctly right and so we did we fixed the dyno trailer correctly and then bing bang boom everything works and we are stoked um so it started off about we were an hour hour and a half behind where we wanted to be <laughs> so because we're, we're like targeting like a 2 a.m. arrival. And we're like, oh, we'll get like three hours of sleep. It's going to be sick. No big deal. 2 a.m. means we go to sleep at four. We get two or three hours of sleep, maybe maybe four. No big deal. Then we work all day. Drivers come in at three or whatever. Uh, it's going to be great. Typical great life stuff. We get on the road. Everything's totally great with the truck. It's towing fine. We're having great conversation. Like everybody's live. You know, we're not sleeping. Um we get uh, we get to about 2 a.m. and then Kevin and Connor are sleeping and I'm like well it's my job to keep Carson awake and so Carson and I it turns out have the exact same taste in music we love all the same it's a variety of music too uh we we basically and I, I've known a lot of this like I've known that we have a, lot, a ton in common we even have the same red wing work boots which is bizarre that's like uh, uh, Soul Brother, or like. Yeah, dude, I didn't even know until Friday morning or Thursday morning. I woke up in the tent and I was like, "Bro, those are the same work boots." He's his, his are sitting like right next to mine. Um, but uh, so we had a, we it, we had a great, big great night. Too much caffeine. We get to the racetrack at six forty-five in the morning, and it gets bright at like five four forty-five. We're yeah, coming into early. the mountains at four forty-five, and it's like, holy shit, is this gorgeous? And so we're just like on cloud nine. Like we're listening to freaking Dead Mouse, cruising through the mountains, having the best, the best drive. Towing a, a great dyno. Drive. So, what's that? Towing a dyno. Towing a dyno, loaded to the freaking gills. I mean, the truck is like. So while we were working on the dyno for like forty-five minutes, Cone and Kevin were packing the truck, and I mean, this truck it was. They, they packed and unpacked it in order to get everything in, into the bed of the pickup, which has got like a folding hardtop bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they packed it two or three times, and they beat us. To, they, like, we were racing. It was racing teams. We finished wiring the trailer two minutes after they finished packing the truck. Jeez. <laughs> and they're, like, strapping stuff to the de- back of, to the, de- the deck of the trailer and everything, and, like, we got it all done. We rolled out, like, at 4 o'clock or whatever, 3.45. Um to a bunch of traffic on 8090 in uh, 8094 in Indiana, of, of course. But so we're we're cruising in the mountains. Lights are coming on in this uh, in the world. You know, the sun's coming up at like 4:45. We get into the most beautiful drive I think I've ever done for the last like two hours. It was just gorgeous. It's a f- phenomenal drive, and we get there, vibes are good, and like we pull up, and everyone's like, "There's your tent," because we woke him up and pulled in. Um, and we slept, I slept straight. I didn't even unroll my sleeping bag. I slept right on the floor of the tent because Carson and I were awake the entire night. Yeah. Um, I slept for maybe 45 minutes and then I woke up, um, because it got so hot in the tent, um, by like eight 30 that I couldn't be in there anymore. Like I went to bed and I'm cold and I'm shivering. Uh, bed meaning lay on the lay on the tent, lay on the floor of the tent. I woke up on the floor of the tent like an, not even an hour later, sweating. Um, and then and then within about an hour, Colleen, our media manager, is like, "I can't get Chris awake. Um, you're going to have to do some interviews with the local news because we're promoting it on the local news." So with no sleep, um, I had to throw on a Valvoline hat and a Grid Life sweatshirt, and I was on local news. So that was great. That was very weird. You look like an unshaven demo. hobo. Good. Uh, I did look like a hobo. I, I shaved before I came out because I knew this was a possibility that I had been in the news the next day. But um, we had uh, ride-alongs with the FCP guys. They were riding along on the the FCP proving grounds, like the small road course up in the top. So. Oh, yeah. 
um, they had a couple of news stations out and a couple of reporters for like local papers and stuff, which is cool. So, uh, in the meantime, I'm staring down the barrel of, uh, personal bad vibes because I'm like, we are going to lose so much money on this event. Cause I'm looking at the ticket counts and it's like, I'm just waiting for the pop, right? I'm waiting for the pop. The pop's not coming. Um, so we show up, uh, Thursday and I'm stressed and we get into Friday and I'm like, man, there's, there's some tickets selling. Um, there might be some people here. And I go up on top, like at noon on Friday, up on top at, at Lime Rock, you like go up a hill and that's like the spectator and you come down into the paddock and we spent most of our time in the paddock. Right. Um, and I went up on top like at noon and I'm like, wow, there's like a thousand people here. And I look at the tickets. I'm like, wow, we might get close. Um, cause we were upside down like a house on Wednesday and then we're upside down like a garage on Thursday, uh, in money. Um, and then I'm like, wow, we might only lose like a couple of those high end home Depot sheds. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Saturday, uh, did you go up top on Saturday during the day? Um, <clears throat> not like at peak. I went up there for Dude. a second, but there was still people loading in. It was unreal. It felt like it was fully packed out. I mean, we could have put a, we could have put hundreds of more cars there, but they were filling the field on the outside of the racetrack. Um, and uh, and the event happened, and it freaking worked. And I couldn't believe it. And and it. So most of the time, when we're done with an event, I'm totally happy with being done with the event, even if it's the best event, right? Mm -hmm. This one, I was sad there wasn't another day. Yeah. Cause it was, cause it was so good. Yeah. Dude, it was the best. The people are the best. All these new friends we made driver wise and car show guy wise and the prime NYC guys that like helped curate the car show. Uh, the, everything was it, like the people were the best. Lime Rock is the best. The, the facility is the most gorgeous facility we've ever operated at like tenfold. That's probably true. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's like being, it's like being, in the mountains, like in Costa Rica, like it's so pretty. <laughs> like it looks like there should be a Tyrannosaurus Rex next to you. Like the whole place is unreal. It's so pretty. Um, and the vibe from the staff and the, even the race control, race control, uh, her dad used to work at Gingerman. She, he managed Gingerman. And her brother is Justin, her cousin is Justin Pollock, the pro drifter who hangs out with us at festivals. That's um, so weird. Like they were all the, they were all the nicest people and they were all so good. They were like the best corner workers. Yeah. And like the food was great. They had three bars open that night. Like everything was the best. It could not have been any better. Something that like, I thought was out of the ordinary, but really, really cool on Friday night at the arcade, uh, Dickie, the, the like president of the track made a speech to thank Gridlife for coming and Saturday night. Was or, it Saturday or Friday? Uh, no, it was Saturday. Sorry, I got my days mixed mm -hmm. up. He made a speech right. talking about how much the circuit loved Gridlife and how excited that they were that we had uh, worked with them on this event. And that just that made me feel really good. Yeah, he he personally like told me and Chris that we had changed the trajectory of this track forever. Um, because I think they've been feeling like they're like their audience is dead, like it's dying, it's old. Um, not to disparage the amazing people that come to their events, right? Like they get big, they get big crowds at IMSA and their historics festival. But um, but I think they saw like we need to show the next generation of enthusiasts that we that we exist because they're they're tucked up in the middle of the woods in like northwest Connecticut, right? It's hilly out um, there, man. Like we, yeah. we, we drove a Long lot and it's through, uh, it's mountainous. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing drive to get there though. If you, especially if you have an RX seven, because it seems like every RX seven in the entire world came out. It, it did. Yeah. Um, but there was so many FDs dude. It was unreal. So pretty. It was, um, like this event was kind of unique in that we had a little bit of a, a concourse element and it really did feel like, especially when people showed up on Saturday, 
lots of people just drove their their nice car to the event, whatever it was. Right. It didn't have to be so expensive. You the paddock. The paddock looked like Weckfest. And then the concourse looked like Weckfest plus Monterey plus... It was like the best car show I've ever been to. It's really, um, really cool. Like the, the, the Prime MIC guys really, really bailed us out as far as like getting that crowd there. And then that crowd was the was the coolest people. Like... It was just so good. It was so rad. I loved it. Um, after the event was over, I booked a flight that was a little bit later because Trisha had asked that people stick around to do some of the uh, packing up. And mm-hmm. so uh, I knew that before we went to this event, I knew that I was going to do everything in my power to make the case to go to New Haven, Connecticut to get pizza at one of these really famous uh, New Haven pizza places. And so that was like the thing I absolutely had to do on Sunday before I got back. <laughs> and um, I, I, after you left, I had helped Kyle a bunch with tearing down Sims and a bunch of other things. And then like, it, it felt like no one was needing help because I asked people and they're like, no, I'm just kind of doing this, you know? And so right. uh, I was splitting a car with Justin Osmer, who did um, kind of the curation of the concourse. Um, yeah, he was he was definitely one of the dudes that helped that. And so uh, it's always like fun getting into a car with with someone you barely know. Um, like I knew his name was Justin, and that was the extent of my interaction with him prior to that car ride. Right. And uh, I was like, Justin, uh, I really, really, really want to go on an adventure. I need to go get pizza in New Haven before our flight. His flight was at like 5:45 and mine was at 6:15. And so he said we we left at like I don't know 12 12:30 and we were like mm-hmm. we we absolutely can get this done. And I had looked at the routes and uh, it was out of the way to go to New Haven relative to Hartford, but the total number of uh, additional minutes in the process to drive there was about 50, which is like not that far if you're used to going to dinner in Chicago or something, right? Like right. if you go to dinner and you drive a car on Friday night in Chicago, it just takes an hour to get wherever you're going. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, we leave early. We're expecting to get to the restaurant at like one fifteen on a Sunday. And this what did place. What think about this, uh, this adventure, by the way? Uh, Justin was like all in. Um, what, what did, uh, so also um, he, he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, did he give you his background? Um, he didn't give me his his previous official title, but he's worked for Microsoft and Turn 14 on the Forza uh, Motorsport yeah. series for quite a yeah, while. Yeah, he's like he he's like one of the main people. <laughs> um, but he was like all in on an adventure. I think the last time he said that the, like the last time he traveled with us in any capacity, they like went and saw some kind of sites somewhere because they're, mm-hmm. they were already out there, so you might as well go see or do something. So yeah. I couldn't have been in a better car with somebody. And I, I didn't place an order in advance, because I was like, well, if we go on Sunday, you know, even if they have a really long wait, um, more than likely we'll have enough time to be seated and, like, eat pizza there. And the so I, we get there, and I didn't order in advance, and I didn't... Like they don't really, I don't think they take reservations. So I got there and they were like, well, it's going to be, it's going to be two hours to sit. And then service time, once you sit is like another 45 minutes. No. And, uh, so that, that like puts us almost three hours out and it's almost two o'clock and his flights at, uh, five 45 and yeah, we are, work. we're 50 minutes from the airport. And so we were like, well, <laughs> well shit, that's not going to work. And so I was like, well, what about like uh, placing a carryout order? And they're like, no, we're booked. We're booked for carryout for the rest of the day. We, oh we don't have a single carryout spot available until one a.m. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not getting pizza here then." And so uh, we we ended up going to Hartford to get pizza from a a different New Haven pizza place that has more right. restaurants. And so we didn't wait in line. And we didn't like we, we were only like 10 minutes from the airport after we, we ate there and the food was pretty good. It was it was made better by the fact that we didn't wait three hours for pizza. Yeah, that would help. But next time. Dude, the 
I think that was what the FCP Euro guys got the first time we went out there, me and Chris. Probably. And, dude, it was maybe the best pizza I've ever had, and I live in Chicago, so I, I know pizza more than, like, a giant percentage of America because uh, there's a ton of varieties in Chicago, a ton of styles. Like, I've had a lot of different pizza because I'm a reformed fat kid in Chicago, so sure. I love pizza. But that pizza was unreal. Yeah, um, New Haven style is classic, and it's uh, delicious. It was so flaky, but it was, like, bubbly crust. It was and then like, a little bit, like, flame-burned tasting. It was so great. Yeah. Like, it was great. Um, I didn't know that you knew that that was a style. I'm not really into uh, food the way you are. Well, so. um, I can say that several people have reached out to me on Facebook Messenger to talk to me about... Uh, uh, anchovies or fish sauce in their pizza sauce, right. and uh, they think that you are a a simpleton, and they they of like course. my enlightened way of living. Yeah, I am a simpleton. I'm like I'm a caveman. I, I literally call myself a caveman all the time. <laughs> so like if, it, if it was like legal to drag your women around by their hair when you're mad at them, like yeah, I'd probably do that. <laughs> oh boy. Um, not that, not that I would uh, actually do that, but you know, caveman stuff. So, yeah. um, so did you get around Lime Rock at all? I rode with Robert Thorne in the drift car and okay. it is my, uh, humble opinion that Lime Rock Park could be the best drift circuit in the United States. Well, it's my not so humble opinion that it's also the best grip circuit in the United States. So, uh, yeah, there were there were different pieces of the track, like turns one through four, which is basically like the, the showcase for the drift um, right. part right. of the track. Uh, Big bend, left hander, and uh, what are so, so it's not it's a track that's the only track that I've ever been to that has names for the turns instead of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and I still didn't memorize them all, but I know the first one's Big Bend, I think, and then there's left hander because it's the only left hander, and then something, and then the no name straight, which has like kind of an S in it, but it's a really gradual fast S. So I'm looking at it now. Also, I was told they are renaming No Name Straight. It will not be called No Name soon. Hmm. And I can't tell you what it's going to be called because I was sworn to secrecy. <laughs> I see. <laughs> it's going to be announced uh, at their historic festival. So how exciting! Yes, um, it's been named No Name for like I don't know forty years. So and so then you've got after No Name, you've got the uphill, the back straight, West Bend. And the downhill diving turn. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you got the jump there on the backside of the track, too. And yeah. the we were not moving fast enough in the drift car to catch air, but it did surprise me how steep and how abrupt uh, that uphill was for the jump. So you were in Thorns uh, in his FD car, right? The Correct. The green and orange one? Yeah. Yep. Um, that's a pro spec car. It's got a LS with a Magnuson blower on it, so good power. But, yeah, it was cool. Um, dude, I drove, so I didn't intend to drive. Uh, Giles, uh, Scott Giles, our, so Renee, is our, Renee, his wife, is our race director. Uh, he is our basically assistant race director, comp evaluation, help organize everything, wrangle the kids, uh, the kitties, all the problems, you know. Like Scott solves a lot of problems, but he told me to bring my gear. And I said, I don't want to race. I've never been there. He said, bring your gear. So I brought my gear. Um, they brought their CRX and it's a GLTC car. It's a little bit underpowered, probably 20 horsepower down from where it could be. Um, but it's got really good MCS suspension Super dialed. Our buddy Blake Mer Meredith built the engine. It's a dual cam ZC, good trans. Um, I think it's got a, I think it has a, I don't think it's a clutch type div. I think it's got a gear type div. But, um, you know, it's got some good stuff on it. It was a fun car. And <clears throat> he did practice. And then he called me and says, You're, I have a plan. You're not going to like it. 
Uh, and so I'm intending to do like one DE session just so I could say I drove Lime Rock, right? Uh, and he he says you're doing practice, you're doing, you're doing qualifying. And he said it's because it's after lunch. You don't have any excuse to not drive it. And I was like, fine, I guess. And I was like, kind of mad because it's qualifying. So I put myself in the very back, P35. Um, I think we had 35 or 37 cars. And we go out. I make one lap, and then Houghton blows up. He's having, he's having like voltage issues, like his alternator's stupid, and he thinks he lost power to injectors, and it detonated, and bam, right through the block. Oil's down the downhill turn. Uh, we sit in, I had literally done two laps under caution, and then basically under caution came in. So I don't have, and I, I, I mean, I've done a bunch of site laps with like track managers and stuff. I've got, I know where it goes, but I don't have any feel or vibe or flow for this track. Um, strap in. I'm going to tell you two sessions worth of stories. I'm and ready. Maybe, the, maybe they'll be good. You've heard one of them, but... He blows up, we get black flag, we come in, we're sitting in hot pit, and it's like freaking 82 degrees in the sun, and this CRX is blazing. Um, and I know this car doesn't have a fan, so I have to shut it off, but I also know that it doesn't restart well because it has twin DCOE side draft carbs. <laughs> so, so I'm like kind of stressed, but I've got like my eyes on Carson and like Hunter, uh, who is Cal's Cal from Al's Auto Bodies, like uh, college roommate. They're working grid. I think there's you know, Kevin's wandering around. There's a bunch of people that I, I could like get to push me, but we're gonna need a real ass push because it's it's not a cranking. It's like a spark versus fuel versus flooded problem. So I'm the entire time I'm sitting there, I'm stressed that this thing's gonna restart. So, but I'm not touching it because if because if you touch it, it makes it worse. Um, so just let it sit and uh, stress that the thing's gonna even restart on me because sometimes it just freaking doesn't. Uh, like for five minutes, we're there for like six or six or seven minutes. It was a 25 minute qual. Um, I'm sweating literally and fi- literally and figuratively the entire time, uh, and then they give us the one, and I'm like, well. It's now or never, and I just start cranking. What do what do what do what do what? The thing's cranking and cranking and cranking, and I'm like not touching the gas pedal much, and then it like just starts to cough, and I'm like, oh fuck yeah, we're doing qualifying, and it just coughs and coughs and coughs and coughs, 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 coughs and then runs, and like I am stoked. I'm like so so stoked, because <laughs> so, um, it starts great when it's cold. It just doesn't love hot starts. Uh, but it also doesn't have a fan. It should have a fan. Scott put a fan on it. Scott listens to the podcast, so I'm going to tell him to put a fan on it. Just hardwire it, put a switch on it, put a fan on that car. Uh, and we're just, you know, I'm stoked because I'm going to actually get to do qualifying. I'm not going to be, like, dead last. Um, started P35 or whatever, uh, and so I know, like, all I want to do is, like, be faster than somebody. Um, go out and do a lap just just warming up because and, and like the leaders are already catching us because it's a 58 second track for the leaders 57 second track uh, by the time 30 some cars get off the field the leaders are catching me in like t- turn three so i'm like all heads up i'm just trying to find a gap to where i'm not blocking anybody but i'm also out there running a pretty solid lab because i know that the car is good suspension wise and this track is not a power track so i want to be within three seconds four seconds of the leaders uh, maybe five like that would be fine i want i actually deep down want to beat scott's time uh and i saw his time in practice he did not but i saw it and i was like i don't know if that's good or bad or whatever but i want to beat it and i <laughs> i'm doing like my third lap and there's a yellow flag going towards the uphill because like i i think it was Hurdle and Waldbaum had like gotten together because a bunch of cars had checked up uh, and like an accordion effect brought them together. Their bumpers are hanging stupid, but like no sheet metal damage. Um, I don't know the situation. I think I was in the middle of it somewhere because there was a time where I got checked up on. I I don't know, whatever. Um, but they're like sitting in a dumb spot. So we're yellow flag for a while, but the trucks come out, move them into the chicane and I get one flyer in qualifying. Um, 
and it was pretty, it was, it was okay. Like I, I was a total nerd on the uphill. I braked too much in West Bend and I, I tapped the brakes going downhill down. Uh, is West Bend the one at the top of the hill? That's West Bend, the right-hander. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They're, they're all right-handers. But uh, going down, in downhill, I tapped my brakes again because I'm a bitch uh, and a little bit of a ninny, and it was fine. And I, I did go faster than Scott. And so then I think Scott was mad at me, and then he was like, fuck this guy. He gets to do the first race. <laughs> so Scott informed me I had to do the race, uh, even though he sort of said, well, it's up to you. But um, – I got the vibe that I had to do the race. Uh, so we moved the seat back even further because it's a bolt-in, bolt-out seat, but it's got, like, I don't know, a bunch of different spots for it. It's off to the left a little bit, so my knee's kind of jammed to the steering wheel in qualifying, and I had to, like, kink my knee oddly. It wasn't the most comfortable EF. And also, like, with the carbs, the OEM gas pedal has, like, a long amount of travel versus the brake. So I couldn't heel toe in going in turn one. I was, like, fighting a bunch of, like, just fitment in the car things, like, just stuff because it's – they haven't even driven the car that much. They've driven it a few times. So I'm going to do race one. I think I started 24th. I got, like, a 103. Leader's got, like, a 158 or something. So I'm, like, kind of where I want to be. It's fine, whatever. There's a bunch of dudes slower than me, so I'm not a total bum. Uh, but I got one flyer lap, and I don't know where I'm at. I've never driven this car before. So I'm feeling like, fine, it's fine. Like, I'm not embarrassed. And uh, all I want to do in the race is not hit anybody, and I want to beat my best time. Uh, and I want to smile and have fun. Um, those seem like good goals, right? Sure. Uh, and uh, I've never been to Lime Rock. Really enjoyed that one good lap. This track is really, really sick. Super fun. Um, and uh, so... We do a bunch of other stuff, you know, we're, we do our first drift session. The track president, Dickie, literally hugged me with so much emotion after the first drift session. They were super worried about it. We put Sam Posey, legendary driver, part owner of the track. We put him in, an, in the FCP Euro like party car driven by Michael Essa. Uh, and he's a frail old guy. He's got Parkinson's, I believe, um, struggling with a lot of stuff. He was on a live stream. I guess it was a pretty good interview. I haven't watched it yet. I, haven't found I, it. Um, I remember growing up, Sam Posey would do... Um, like voice voiceover introductions for like the kind of like the the lead in to a race like F one or something like that, and yeah. talk about the the history of the circuit and like what F one has done there historically and a bunch of different things. And I I remembered his name even though like I I wasn't always super connected to sports car racing. And so yep. when I was like, oh Sam Posey, I know that guy, and I got to yeah. talk to Sam for like fifteen twenty minutes. It was cool. Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he uh, he was there most of the day on Friday too. But um, but uh, yeah, Dickie gave me a big hug, a lot of emotion, uh, and like couldn't talk afterwards. And they were so concerned that we were going to ruin everything by bringing drift cars there. But we brought a bunch of like non-pro drifters. Like the big goal was like experienced drivers in like '90s cars, like cool '90s and early 2000s cars, like unique street street style builds. Uh, and I think like, I think it was really, really good. I think it was super cool, but, um, I still haven't seen much of the drifting because I worked pit out most of the time, kind of in conjunction with Swan and Nick doing drift grid on the racetrack. Um, cause it's such a, such a fast little track. A lot of people were in, in the hot pits, changing tires, swapping, swapping people, et cetera. So we really needed like another point of release, um, and I didn't want Pete Lindbergh baking out there in the sun the entire time. So, and, and I know Nick's flow, like we flowed pretty well together. So uh, I was the other drift point of release, which was cool. So got to, got to talk to a bunch of drift drivers, et cetera. So in between qual and practice, we do that. And uh, like vibes are pretty good. And I'm like, on a, I'm in a good mood, um, like pretty, pretty stoked. And then <clears throat> comes to race one right at the end of the day on Friday or near the end of the day on Friday. And because uh, we had three races on Saturday, but, but practice qual and, and race one on uh, Friday. And I get in the Giles CRX, Scott and Renee CRX, and I grid up. Uh, we go out for the start. Everything's fine. You know, I've, it's just a CRX. I don't fit super well in it because my right knee's still kind of in the steering wheel because I'm so offset. Um, and 
it, it just you know, it just is what it is. Like I, I'm mostly like a, a big big majority of my height is from my knees to my hips, and so I'm like all knees to hips. But uh, I'm in it. I'm driving it. We're having a good time. The brakes are great. The car feels great. The, the shocks are incredible. Like you can bomb the big curb in West Bend, and you don't even feel it. Like you just feel the angle of the car change, but the bang doesn't hit. And and if you walk that curve, that curb, it's like a street curb in a residential town. It's so big and abrupt. These shocks are nuts. Like the car, the car is great. Trevor from MCS did a great job in the shocks. I'm very impressed. Um, <clears throat> we go for the start, uh, and I'm graded, I think, right in front of Lisa Keys, right next to Brian DeFreeze. Um, I'm always a little bit timid on the start, especially when I've never driven the racetrack besides, like, three laps. It's not my car. Um, so I back off in the start just to find a hole. I just want to drive around, right? Let everybody, like, let everybody be race car drivers. Right now, I'm a tourist. I'm just trying to be – I'll be a race car driver when I remember what turn comes next And the and that was like three turns in or three, three laps in. And I'm feeling fine. Um, I'm starting to set up for a pass on uh, Michael from FCP Euro, Michael Hertzen. Uh, and he, he's in his old, it's like a Specky 30, um, similar pace to me. And the first time I'm almost, I'm almost wide open down the downhill and the car doesn't have enough power. So you can go matted from West Bend all the way down the downhill. I'm almost to the point where I can do it. And it feels a lot like turn 12 at Rural Atlanta. It's a real fast turn. Yeah, it's, that's the the thing that I had heard a lot of people say was, uh, it's turn twelve at Road Atlanta. The difference is like there's this, like it's almost the same. There's like yeah. uh, a little bit of tire barrier that you can run into instead of exclusively running into concrete. Right. Though, though there yeah, is plenty it, of concrete. There's lots of concrete, yeah, and, or, and lots of K rail, yeah. Um, but feels a lot like turn twelve at Road Atlanta. If you haven't been, if you've been to Road Atlanta, you know what this downhill feels like. It's the same basic speed. Uh, like in the CRX, I was like almost top of fourth, pretty fast. Um, so I'm, I'm committing to do the, the, the downhill real fast in order to set up for a better pass for Hertzen. We're both on little Falcons and I get him in the straight, in the, in the straightaway. And I get a little bit of lap time on him, um, in the next lap. And then I'm getting lapped. Then it's time for Tamo to crush my soul with how fast he is. Right. Um, I do the West Bend. I'm in, I'm basically approaching West Bend and I have these big neon gloves and I'm like, I'll show them where to go. I'll give them the point by uh, like in front of the window now, cause there's a big gap. I'll show him that I see that he's there and I'm going to hold the hard right. And he can, ha- he can just drive right by me. I don't want to hold him up. I want to you know, let Tom do his thing. Um, and so I stick my hand out the window um, in front of the window net and the window net falls down. I'm like, fuck me, man. <laughs> And then my immediate worry is like, ah, window net fell down. That's a safety concern. I'm like, not that big of a safety concern. (laughs) But then I didn't realize that this door, the driver's door and the passenger door have a cable front to back. And you swat that cable just lightly and it opens the door. This is one of them GM seatbelt buckle style window nut. There's a bunch of stiction on the back of it. So like you can get it like touching and like I whacked it with my hand. And it just, and there was too much stiction in the overall thing that it like, it like, it like wedged itself, but it didn't latch, I guess. And I touched the window net and it fell down. Like, this is like probably 10 laps in. Like we're, we're 10 minutes into the race. We're a couple laps from the end, maybe nine laps in. So it's not like it was just falling down, but uh, it just needed to be hit. It's just the right angle. And it fell down and it wrapped itself around that cable in the door. And I didn't realize it. Um, because this track never ends. You don't have any straightaways. You got the, the little bit of front straightaway and that's it. So it falls down and I'm like, fuck. Uh, and I'm chasing Tom down the downhill and then the door opens up because it's wrapped around the fucking cable <laughs> and it opened up a lot. Um, and so the first, this was like the first time I was going to go flat down the downhill. And so I'm flat down the downhill and I know if I lift, I'm going to be in the wall. And so I just like, pushed my foot down, my right foot down with my left foot and steered with one hand and held the door shut. And then in the straightaway, the only time we get a breather room, I grab this door and I'm like, bang, bang. And like, I get it shut. I push on it. I'm like, this door is shut. I had at, at this point, I'm still driving the car. I hadn't realized it was wrapped around the cable. And this cable like is like you touch it with like, I don't know, a couple of pounds of force and it pops the door open, which is a problem. Um, so it's shut. I'm like, well, 
we're on for our race. We'll see if all the corner workers on the inside of the racetrack too, for the most part. So I'm like, they're probably not going to look at my slow little car and notice the window nuts down there. I can black flag me. It'll be fine. I just want to get through the race. Right. Um, I passed Hertzen. I got Lisa keys behind me and I just wanted to keep them behind me. I saw Lisa had passed Hertzen. Uh, and I want to keep Lisa behind me. That's like my number one goal. I know I got like half a second on her and, but I can see her in my mirror. Uh, and I'm driving, I'm starting to drive badly. And because a couple of turns in, like my, or a couple of turns after my window net falls down, it falls, or the door opens up again uh, because the bouncing, I hit the curbs coming out on the left hander just enough. And it like that opened the, that like popped the latch and the next right hander approaching no name straight, the, the door opens up again. I jump, I hit the jump and the door opens up again. I hit West Bend and it opens up again. I hit downhill and it opens up again and it opens up again constantly. And I can't, make it not do it. <laughs> and I did it for three laps. I even like kind of screwed up Austin hurdles race because he and, um, Ronnie Vajdak, a, a new, a newcomer to track monsters on Instagram. They're battling coming down the downhill and I'm just struggling to keep the door from opening up and I'm hard holding the hard, right. Uh, in this nice slow little CRX, hoping that they just get by me and I'll screw them up. And then uh, Austin backed out because he was like, what is Jubade or what is the CRX doing? He didn't know it was me. That was Scott. Uh, what, is, what is going on? And like the door is open like 30 degrees. So he kind of freaks out a little bit because I would too because the door is opening in this car. He backs out and Ronnie gets him. But uh, they had a really great battle, I guess. So he wasn't too miffed about it. But it's kind of a better story than it is like a, a an ending for him in the race. But he's got a good shot of it, too, where I'm coming down the downhill and I'm, like, grabbing the door as it's open like a foot and a half. <laughs> so uh, we finally get the checker flag. And I swear I've never been so tired in my life. Just, like, mentally, physically, this track is a monster. It is a freaking monster, dude. <laughs> It never ends and it wears you out and it's the freaking best. It is like, it's the best place I've ever raced. Like if I could just have one place, um, it's Lime Rock. Like it's it. Like it just never stops. It's so fun. It's a little bit dangerous, but man, is it fun. Holy crap. Is it wild? You go uphill, you go downhill. There's like, it's nuts. The whole thing is nuts. I'm jumping a CRX, getting all four off on the CRX, at least the fronts, because I'm doing like, I'm hitting the rev limiter. Like, it's just the best. It's wild. And I can see why it's a racetrack that, that like, against all odds, like, all the neighbors wanted to shut down. It's not a huge facility, but I can see why against all odds, it has an IMSA race, and it's booked every weekend, and it's expensive because it's awesome. It's awesome. It's I loved really, it. Really cool place. Dude, I loved it. <laughs> and like, this isn't any shade on, on our buddies at like Gingerman or mid Ohio or anywhere. Like I love all these tracks, but there is something about that place that when you pull into that place, uh, you feel like you feel like it's like the, it's like the walls have stories. Sure. The whole place, the whole place has, it's got a vibe. And right now it's managed by a staff that has a vibe and they want this place to exist for another 50 years because it's that special. The place is incredibly special. So there are places that we go to where um, the track feels significant. Like to me, um, Road America is to some degree, mid Ohio, uh, IMS in Indianapolis, I imagine Daytona, you've been there, and like Road Atlanta, those tracks feel significant. Lime Rock is on that list, um, absolutely. But I think something else that sets that uh, place apart for me is it really did feel like the event we just did was significant. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how it popped so much, but it was pretty full. And those people, like everybody that came was there to have a really good weekend. And they did, uh, it was good. There were good people. There were nice people. Like they, they were all there to like support the event and they all saw it. They all saw the vision that we wanted to do with it. And they saw this track that they've never been to. A lot of them had never been there. And they were like, this, like we keep getting 
we keep getting Instagram messages and like emails and you see, you look at the comments on the event and it's just constantly, that was my favorite track weekend ever. You talk to all the drivers and they're like, this place, this place is nuts. Uh, and it, it, it really, it was, it was really good. It was so much better than I thought it would be. It was, and I think we actually like got right up to break even too. Like we spent, we spent so much money on things. We had like 30,000 bucks in tents. And, uh, dude, it was so good. It was great. The whole place was awesome. The people were awesome. And I'm so happy that we got to do it. And I can't wait to go back to Lime Rock. Good vibes all around. I cannot wait to go back to Lime Rock. If you, if like, if there's one thing I'm going to be looking forward to for the next 12 months, it's going to be Circuit Legends 2023. Because, man, is that track amazing. Yeah. Feels it was same. just it was too way. much. It was like almost too much. It felt like, a, Chris said it best, it felt like a fever dream. It felt like something you wake up from and you're like, that's not real. What the heck? What did I eat for, what did I eat for dinner? <laughs> that was <a> crazy dream. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So uh, we're into this one for about an hour, and I think that means we're going to save the Patreon show for another day. But Oh, you got to go to bed? I think I'm going to go to bed. Uh, I yeah. still have not I yet recovered from the weekend. I also have not. I'm sitting here drinking the LaCroix, still nursing my my voice is like still shot from the weekend. So, um, but we have uh, we've got a lot of talk, a lot to talk about with regard to rules. I think and, we've got plenty to fight about as well. Well, um, I think so because, as you know, I fight you. I often think that I'm right, and uh, I, I usually I, think I'm wrong, but my ideas are usually pretty good. I so. thought I was wrong once, um, but I was mistaken. <laughs> All right. Well, later this week we'll do a Patreon rules uh, show. I've I, I just started a document with 2023 GLTC rules changes. Uh, I saw the that. Potentials for that. We can go for that. Um, and uh, obviously we've got the the big um, the big shoe to drop on what is track mod going to be in 2023. Even if it's called track mod, or if it's not, we're not sure. But. Um, and then we've, we've talked to a lot of drivers and I know there's a lot of rumors swirling because of like, we've been bouncing ideas off of them. So, um, a lot of drivers talk to me about, Hey, so what's happening in XYZ class next year? A lot of them talk to me about this, about that this weekend. So, so uh, I am inclined to say, I hope a lot. Um, I'm inclined to say, um, I hope less than you. <laughs> well, and I'm, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it on the, we'll talk about it on the next podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. And yeah. uh, we hope to see you at circuit legends next year. Um, yeah. Probably plenty of reasons why a lot of you didn't make it out. I know that we were bunched up really close to another can't miss event at mid Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a chance that uh, those won't bunch up together next year, but if they do, maybe you should just go to both. It, uh, yeah, like I said, there was a bunch of people, a bunch of people working grid. Like it was only a two day event, right? A bunch of people working grid, Nick Swan, the drift lead, like a bunch of people talked to me and said, I usually am totally fine with an event being done because we worked really hard and we're really tired. Like they all said the same story, but I really would like this event to be one more day because this was awesome. Like there was something so good about it. Um, and even like Sunday morning, we had the cars and coffee meet on Sunday. And like most of the drivers stayed, most of our track staff stayed. Uh, the track, the racetrack staff was all there, uh, hanging out, talking. Uh, we stayed until about 1045. We had to get on the road. Did you see that uh, coach built uh, Rolls Royce? What's that? Did you see that like uh, coach built uh, Rolls Royce? Dude, it was out of control. How cool was that? That was my favorite Dude, car of the show. There were so many cool cars there. There was hundreds of cool cars that lined up on the front straight and on Big Ben and stuff. Um, but like, it was a really good way to shut down an event. But it, like at seven o'clock, I'm I'm down in the paddock, like cleaning up uh, timing tower, double checking things, grabbing a few things that I knew were down there, um, and I roll past the the uh, little cafe down there, right across from the timing tower, right, um, and the main like catering and hospitality guy which i'd been in a couple of meetings with the guy like six months ago he 
he recognized me and he said, what do you have for breakfast? Uh, they weren't even open yet. And like they open up and he literally personally made me breakfast. Uh, and he talked about how uh, this event is keeping him going for the next year because he can't wait for the next one because it was so good. And this is a dude that's been at Lime Rock for like 10 years. How cool. Uh, it's just, it's nuts. Like so many little, uh, oh, did you, uh, did Houghton talk to you about like the, the meat truck that he talked, the yeah. guys from the meat truck? So Houghton, uh, Saturday night, I guess, is up by, it was like a, uh, like a, I think it was a Venezuelan guy or Brazilian guy. I don't remember, but they had a bunch of different grills and they're making all different kinds of meat, steaks, sausages, et cetera, right? Um, whole, it seems like a whole family, like 10, like six or eight people working in this place. And there's, a, there was a little kid there, uh, like eight or 10. Uh, and so I guess Saturday night he goes up there and he's like, do you guys got any, uh, are you still making stuff? And it was like a little bit late. And the kid goes, were you a driver? And James goes, yeah, I drove a couple of cars. My, my red and white car blew up and I was in the black and yellow car, uh, the Mitsubishi Evo. And the kid, the, the kid knew who he was, and he says, "You ran a fifty-one. You're the fastest guy of the weekend." And his dad like fed him and Mitch. Like his dad like gave him a hundred dollars worth of meat. That's awesome. <laughs> like the little eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid or ten-year-old kid like knew knew how fast Houghton went in the Evo. Like uh, I heard a bunch of bunch of interesting stories about people like that you wouldn't expect to be following the racing. And they were so stoked on the racing. Like just the spectators were so engaged, but also like the drivers love the place. And the car show people thought like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest racing we've seen. And they think our car show is rad. Like everybody got along and they were all there for the same, same reason. Like if everybody goes in trying to have a really good weekend, we're going to have a really good weekend. And we had the right amount of people doing that this weekend. So I'm going to do it. I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. All right, dude. Well, uh, I guess going, that's a show. We're 100% going back. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I, I literally cannot wait. We've no, got I can't. two more I, events I'm on gonna the calendar I'm going to go two days early and just hang out there. Well, uh, that's a separate story. But uh, Rob Wilkinson was having the best time um, because his wife and daughter were there at the event. And uh, he told me a pretty long story about how he spent so much time there growing up. So, um, yeah, he grew up. He grew up right around, uh, right, like right around that whole area. So, so uh, I'm hoping that I can get Sloan and Ashley out there next year as well. And if I need to make a little bit more time to enjoy the like day or two before, I'm gonna. Yeah, well, as long as everybody has a better time than the Appalachian Trail hiker that was delirious, dehydrated, and lost that wandered onto the racetrack from the Appalachian trail, then we're good. So weird. That's the first time, I guess in 40 years that it's ever happened. So yeah, nothing, nothing like that, but you know, for us, but now he got brought to help and care and he's not dead. So good life saved a life. <laughs> it was a very weird event and it was a really cool event. And I, I'm so glad it happened. Well, on that note, I uh, I guess I will talk to you probably tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a Patreon recording tomorrow. I'm gonna do that. All right, cool, buddy. So, Thanks. Hit me, hit me up right when you get home. Let's let's do it right away. I gotta cook for the family when I get home. You always have to cook for the family. Tell okay. them dinner's thirty minutes late. That's my job, dude. All right, all right, fine. All right, talk to you later, buddy. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jabay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a gridlight to say hello. Hello.